welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journeys and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms do motherhood the same way, and we should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you know somebody that could use a little encouragement along their motherhood journey, please share the show with a friend. Hey everyone, it's Jessica, and this is episode number 13, and my guest today is the amazing Oakley Peterson. Last week on March 21st was World Sound Syndrome Day, and I shared on my Insta stories about all of the amazing mothers of children with Down Syndrome that I've had on the show in the past. And today, Oakley is adding to that list of extraordinary moms. Oakley is a mom of three, including her second child, Wells, who has Down syndrome. And we talk a lot about that journey, but then we also talk about her firstborn, who has big emotions. Can anybody relate to that? I certainly could. And she talks about helping her daughter to be successful. And you guys are going to love Oakley if you don't already know her. She is just such an advocate in the Down syndrome community, and she just shows what intentional parenting looks like, and I love it. So let's get to it with Oakley. All right. I want to welcome to the show Oakley Peterson. Hi, Oakley. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. So I would venture good. to say we're probably about the same age, and I didn't know any Oakleys growing up. Did you know any other Oakleys growing up? No, nope. In fact, I was named after my great grandpa, and no. I was always so embarrassed when I was little that I had a boy name. And now I love it because, I mean, actually, it's kind of coming back to be like a little girl name, which is funny because it was not a girl name. Uh-huh. If uh, you know anyone older than me, they're male. In fact, I get mail all the time postage that says to Mr. Mr. Oakley. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I know. I love it. I love that name. And it is funny how, you know, sometimes, and now all the old school names are coming back. So there's, you know, all the the Henry's and the Esther's and the Nora's and everything. And it's like these little babies in adult names, but then they grow into it and you're like, well, of course that's your name. You know, it's, (laughs) names are so interesting because really, did you announce your kids' names before you had them? No, because, well, Wells was five days. We didn't even know what we were going to name him for five days. Really? And my daughter, I think we told, like, family that that was what we were thinking. And then Ames, same thing. We were in the hospital. We weren't positive. So, no, I did not. But it wasn't because you didn't want feedback. You just literally didn't have a name. (laughs) Right. Boy names have been harder for me. Mm -hmm. Mainly because, no, boy names are hard for my husband and I to agree on. Okay. So, it takes us a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I have three boys. And by the third one, I'm like, yeah. I'm out. And it's never the same list as what was yeah. on the list previous. I don't understand why. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. It's funny how that works. It is. Well, I'm so excited to dive deeper into your journey. I've heard you on a lot of different podcasts and you share so much online. But I'm really excited to ask you some questions that I have wanted to to know more about. And I know that everyone who loves you and follows your family and everything will be excited to dive a little deeper into your journey as well. But for people that may not know you, will you give a little background on yourself and your family? Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up in Northern California. Um, I still claim to be a California girl, even though I live in the snow and I I really struggle with the snow. (laughs) But um, I'm trying to embrace Utah. And I want to learn how to ski and do all the Utah things that my husband does because my husband is a Utah boy. And once you marry a Utah, you don't leave. Mm. They don't let you. Yep. They're very comfortable here. It's a great place. 
Great cost of living, um, clean, beautiful, family-friendly kind of environment. So anyways, I guess we're Utahns now, I guess. <laughs> and we have three kids. Scarlett was our first. We've been married a few years, and she um, is seven years old now. And she is a feisty – she was feisty when she came out. She was literally crawling, couldn't walk yet, and was bossing me around. So that's our girl. She hasn't changed. She's fun, feisty, and we always say that she and my middle son, Wells, must have picked each other in heaven because he has Down syndrome, and she will be his biggest advocate and cheerleader, and nobody will mess with that boy with that sister. <laughs> so he is five, and he was a surprise birth diagnosis. We did not know our pregnancy, and we were just thrilled to be having a boy. Scott and I both have all sisters, so we were just over the moon, and he came out um, <clears throat> a little different than we expected, and there was a little bit of an adjustment there, and now we are just, couldn't imagine our lives without, not just Wells, but without the diagnosis of Down syndrome. We just really are enjoying it and loving it, and all of the, um, the, the uniqueness that it brings our family, and um, when Wells was about... God, I'm trying to remember, I don't know, 18 months? He seemed like a baby still because he wasn't crawling or anything yet. He was just the happiest, most content little thing. But I found out I was pregnant with Ames, and it was a, a surprise pregnancy. And I was like, what? I already have a baby. I'm not ready to do this all over again. I was enjoying well so much. And that baby phase just lasts quite a bit longer when they have Down syndrome. It's just so wonderful. And I just wasn't ready to add to that. And I didn't have a choice. Um <laughs> We did, and it's been the funnest. He, we call him the boss baby because he's just kind of this little old man in a ba in a little body, and he's grumpy sometimes and bosses all of us around. And anyways, he is so much fun, and those two are um, absolutely um, inseparable best buds. People think they're twins all the time. They're 27 months apart. but And partners in fun. crime, that is oh, to be sure. The, that mischief absolutely. and how you are not fully gray, I don't even know. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I don't understand how I'm not in the best shape of my life for all the running around and lifting and stopping. And I mean, it's amazing. Why don't I have muscles protruding from every part of my body? I don't know. Because I stress eat. Maybe it's because I stress eat. I think that's what it is. Anyways. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're definitely going to talk. us on our toes. Yes, for sure. Well, we're definitely going to talk a lot more about your cute kids. But I yes. know that you have quite a musical background as well. Yes. Can we talk okay, a little so bit about it, this? You want it that back. I want to like okay. talk about that. You were in a band with your sisters. Is this correct? Yes. Tell me an all, all the things. Band. We were literally pulled out of school. My parents are very um, authentic people. They are so quirky and fun and wild. And I mean, they pulled us out of school. I just thought I had the most normal childhood. And now as I get older, I'm like, oh my gosh, my childhood was so interesting and so awesome like I feel like I had the best childhood we we literally were not in school we had tutors that would come to our house once a week but we traveled around and we were in an all-girl rock band we wrote songs and um, I played bass guitar and sang vocals we all sang we actually sing together still when we get a chance we just sing at my grandma's funeral last week we um so like I said I have three sisters best friends. We grew up doing all kinds of funny stuff. My dad would literally sneak us into the back of a bar to hear a good band play, which just cracks me up. I come from this super um, Mormon Orthodox, like Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints family. But um, we were not like your typical church members. We were just, my parents were fun and wild and we did all kinds of um, wholesome, but unique 
unique things that most most my my friends always thought my parents were the coolest and they were yeah and I also was super politically involved I did all kinds of campaigning from before I could even vote and um that was um a huge part of my childhood or my my teenagehood young adulthood and now that I have wells I'm like oh that's why I did all that I'm going to start lobbying someday for special needs opportunities so anyways I was political and I was musical and now I'm a diaper changer Hey everyone, I know you are loving Oakley, but I wanted to thank one of our show sponsors and that is Grove Collaborative. Grove makes healthier home products accessible and affordable. Over half a million families shop grove.co for non-toxic dish soap, plant-based skincare, and tree-free bath tissue. Grove makes finding the easiest, natural, eco-friendly products online and delivers them straight to your door. It could not be any simpler. Everything available at Grove is healthier for you and the planet, and it really works. They deliver natural brands like Mrs. Meyer, 7th Generation, Burt's Bees, and Grove straight to your doorstep. I recently got Mrs. Meyer's all-purpose spray in the lemon scent and have absolutely been loving that. So I would love for you to try Grove now before the exclusive spring offer runs out. And for a limited time, my listeners get a three-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer's Spring Scents, a free 60-day VIP membership, and a surprise bonus gift just for you when you sign up and place an order of $20 or more. Check out Grove and our special offer at grove.co slash EEP. That's grove.co, not com, slash EEP. Grove.co, not com, slash EEP. Thank you so much to Grove Collaborative for sponsoring the show, and I would love for you to take advantage of that offer. Everything's linked over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Now let's get back to my conversation with Oakley. And so it makes me wonder, because so many times when we're raising our kids in a certain way that may kind of go against the grain of what people would deem kind of typical or normal, mm-hmm. our kids right. feel like the odd man out. And even like being members of the church and things like that you can kind of feel like the odd man out sometimes and so how do you think your parents helped raise you in a way that your normal was normal not that you were like you know quirky or different or you know you know what I mean by that yeah you know what they they did exactly that because I like I said I didn't realize how different we were until now um my parents we're really good, and they definitely, this is carried over into all um, four of us sisters. They just, they didn't really get hung up on what anybody thought. So I think that that's, like, also been a really cool thing for me um, as far as having a son who's unique and different. I just, I don't really care what people think. I mean, of course you do to an extent, and you can feel hurt by other people's opinions or comments, but overall my parents had really thick skin, and they were just, like, so confident in the way that they raised us that it's made me, um, I think I feel that way as a parent too. I'm not apologetic for the way I raise my kids. I'm not apologetic for um, their quirks and the unique things that come. Because let me tell you, I have a son with Down syndrome, but I also have two other kids who have um, unique and and sometimes trying traits of their own. So Mm -hmm. there's, you know, sometimes I think as parents, we feel like we need to be apologetic for our differences and for our kids' differences, and we get embarrassed. And my parents didn't do that. And I'm really, I feel so grateful that they didn't because they really taught my sisters and I to to not do that and to be, um, you know, really proud of our differences, which is honestly pretty progressive because I think that's kind of the style that parenting is going in now in general. People are, you know, with podcasts like yours, people are learning these things 
um, much earlier or much, yeah, as, as young parents, which our parents didn't have that opportunity, but my parents were kind of cool like that. I feel like they were pretty progressive in that way. And, and that's fortunate for me. I totally see that trend and you're right. They were progressive for, for their generation. And yeah, right. that looks a lot different. And I'm so glad it's moving in that direction that we can own our own type of parenting and right. really embrace our strengths and what we value and live out those values, whatever they might be. And pass right. those along to our kids and be like, this is our yes. normal because this is what we value. Right. I love it. I love it. So good. And so you, you've you talked already that your son Wells has Down syndrome and that was a surprise to you. So yeah. yes. a lot of people do have that diagnosis in utero. You did not. Tell me about right. that journey and about the surprise and, and looking back on your pregnancy. Do you kind of go back and wonder, you know. Were there signs or I don't, I don't know. Could there be any signs? Um, I was 100% clueless. I had no idea. Pregnancy to me, you get pregnant, you feel sick for a few months, you have a perfectly happy, healthy baby, everything goes normal. And I was very naive during that pregnancy. And um, I had no suspicions. In fact, I have a sister, my older sister has always said, I want to say, I want to have a child with Down syndrome. And I thought, oh my gosh, she's so funny. She's so nurturing and wonderful and crazy. And she was so jealous when I got, when, when we had Wells and she's always talking about how she hopes to adopt a child with Down syndrome herself. But so I would have thought she would have had the kid with Down syndrome. I had no suspicions that it would have been me. And um, and yeah, it was a total shock, a total surprise. It was a very fast and honestly rough labor. Um, I I was uh, almost to attend by the time I got to the hospital. And um, anyways, I was throwing up during labor. I had him. I was. They had given me a spinal block, which I really hate and regret. It was. I couldn't move my body for a while. And so I'm sitting there, my body's limp. I'm holding this beautiful baby, and my husband noticed some traits, some very um, Down syndrome specific traits, like he had stubby little hands, and he had a, he was kind of short and stocky, um, which is typical, they have, you know, short femur bones, and they just tend to have that stockier build, um, when I say they, I mean individuals with trisomy 21, and so my husband noticed some of the things, but I just think he thought, oh, that's, that's interesting, Scarlett was so long and um, skinny, she was like this little rat baby. She was so long and skinny and beautiful to us. And I look at pictures, I'm like, oh yeah, she was quite the little alien child, like they all are. But, um, you know, he did, he definitely looked a little bit different from our first child. And I didn't notice I'm in mom heaven. He's a boy. He's my boy. I'm falling in love with him. And within 20 minutes, they asked us if we had done all the screening and we had done like the basic screening that I didn't even know they did, but they called with results saying you had a quad screen, your chances, you're great, your everything's clear, you look good, which um, now I struggle with that wording because I'm like, what do you mean I, everything looks good? Because to me, Down syndrome is good, it's great. Mm. But, um, you know, I'd gotten that call, everything was supposed to be typical. So I said, yeah, we have, everything's great. And they were like, well, we want to take him for testing. And the neonatologist there was like, I am 95% sure. And I, Scott, I mean, if you've seen our birth diagnosis video, um, which we put out a few years ago and, and it went viral, it was, it was a very well done video by Jane.com. But um, I talk about that Scott left with him to see the neonatologist. And when they were walking back down the hall, I mean, I just thought, okay, whatever, take my son do it real quick. I want to snuggle him. I know this is just serious, you know, silly protocol. This is baloney. He's typical. Nothing's abnormal about this situation. 
And then I just kind of sat there in my own thoughts. I was like, well, maybe I should go down. And then I started to kind of feel a little nervous and something could be different or, you know, not what I was anticipating. And as soon as I walked out, Scott was walking back and his eyes were just full of tears. Like I could just see it on his face. And he was so sweet. I'll, I'll, that moment is so tender. I can't even talk about it because mm-hmm. I start to get choked up every time. But he just said, you know what, honey? I think he is. And it's going to be fine. Mm. And then, of course, we went into my room and we broke down for, you know, 24 hours straight. But mm. um, it was so such a weird experience feeling so in love with this child that I was holding, but also feeling so disconnected from um, the situation. Like, okay, well, where did that other baby go? It felt like a loss. Mm. It really did. And I've heard so many people describe it that way. It felt like I had lost the child that I thought I was having to the point where I had to get rid of all of the baby bedding I bought, a lot of the clothes. It's like I needed to start over. It's like I had to mourn the loss of that other child that I had been dreaming up for nine months and then readjust because I loved this other baby with my whole heart. And even knowing what was going on with him, I, I don't think even if you asked me that day, if we find out he has Down syndrome will you, will, will, and you could change it, would you? I don't think I would have. I really loved him. But it was like, well, what happened to that other kid? It was just this really weird feeling that I, it's hard to even describe. Um, but it's just like you have to reroute your whole, your expectations and, and what you think. At least you think you have to reroute. Mm. Turns out your family's pretty normal. Everything, you know, it, it becomes your normal and it's wonderful. But in that moment, you really have to kind of reroute your mindset of, of what your family's going to look like. Mm. And that's hard at first. But looking back, would I have, would I have wanted to find out in utero? A lot of people ask me that. Mm-hmm. And no, mm-hmm. I actually think the way I found out was perfect for me. I think some people really like that time to prepare. I think I would have gone nuts. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been stressed out. I think I would have been Googling, which is the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been asking doctors who don't understand how wonderful this is in a home. They only know, you know, the medical side for the most part. I don't want to generalize these medical professionals who do so much for our family, but they don't understand what it's like to be a mother or parent in the situation. And they don't understand the love and the beauty that comes with this diagnosis. And they give you the facts. And, and I think I would have listened to all those facts had I known in utero and it would have stressed me out. So I love the way I found out it was a hard 24 hours and, and definitely took a good month of lots of crying, but I think it was the right way for me. That is, that is such a beautiful way to explain it. And thank you for sharing that because I'm sure there's a lot of people that grapple between how can I love this baby? How can grief and joy coexist? Right? I just had somebody on the podcast who had a daughter with SMA and same thing. It's like that anticipatory grief of like, how much do I worry about the future while also being present in this moment. So how do you, mm-hmm. how have you learned? Cause I'm sure in the moment it's very challenging as you're kind of being tossed through a lot of different emotions and information and things like that. So how have you learned to be present and not let yourself get too far ahead of what could be for Wells or right. for your family or things like that? So yeah, in the beginning you start to think, immediately okay well so we're not going to be empty nesters he's probably going to live with us forever okay he's not going to get married he's not going to experience fatherhood like all these thoughts like scott had to be like honey 
settle down. <laughs> Let's just think about how well he's going to breastfeed. Let's just think about what, you know, early intervention therapies we need to do. What are you doing going down those roads that, you know, are so far away and we have no control over? And um, I had to really rein it in because you, you just, you're a mom, you're, you, you just start to think of all the possibilities and all the things and reading books was so hard, like medical books. I would just sit in the bath and cry and read these books that were like the chances of leukemia, chance of, of autism. And I just, what I love about, like you mentioned, you've had Heather Avis on here. I found her the day that I had him on Instagram and she was an, a mother who had a child with Down syndrome and was walking this journey and reaching out to those moms is what really helped me remember, let's live right here. Let's live in this moment. Let's, let's, let's worry about these things that are right in front of us. Let's not go down the road. Now I don't even worry about that stuff at all. Mm. I would, I would love him to live with us forever. In fact, Scott and I talk about that all the time. I don't know if we'll let him leave. And he could very well decide he wants to live on his own and be fine. These things I thought were impossible are not. I thought our family would never travel or do the things that we loved to do and that we wanted to do. And we do all those things. Mm. And we just, he just come, he just adds to it. Mm. Um, all the things that I was so worried about for the future, as we're starting to hit them now, these little milestones, you know, he's only five but we hit the school milestone, you know, preschool and all that. And now we're getting ready for kindergarten. They're not as daunting as I thought. And what I'm learning with having two other kids is guess what? We don't have a textbook on any of them and what they're going to do with their lives and what their future is going to look like. And honestly, maybe, you know, one of your kids could decide that they're going to experiment with drugs or, you know, they could have a pregnancy out of wedlock or they could have, you could have all kinds of bumps in the road with your kids. Um, in fact, his, his bumps might be more predictable even, mm. but, um, I think we've like, we've really, well, my husband has always had more perspective than me. I, I go a little out of control from him, <laughs> but I think I've really learned to live in the moment because that's what he is the best at. That child lives in each moment and he relishes in each moment and he stops and smells the roses and he's forced us to learn how to do that. And boy, it's been such a beautiful Thing that I've that I've had the privilege to learn very early on with the child. Don't you just love the way Oakley speaks about her son? Oh, it's just so beautiful. But I want to thank one more show sponsor, and that is Scentbird. Scentbird is a luxury fragrance subscription service that allows you to pick from more than 450 designer brands of perfume or cologne each month. You can choose the perfume you want to try, and they'll send you a 30-day supply. If you're not sure what type of scent you're looking for, sort and find your new fragrance by brand, style, occasion, season, and more. I love using their ratings and reviews on a different fragrance, so then that way if I don't know what I'm looking for, it can kind of help me narrow it down. And with an exclusive offer just for our listeners, you can get 50% off of your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first fragrance. Go to scentbird.com EEP and use my code EEP for 50% off of your first month. Again, that's scentbird.com EEP for you to try out your first perfume or cologne for just $7.50. Sign on and start smelling amazing. Thank you so much, Scentbird, for sponsoring the show. And if you decide to give Scentbird a try, I would love for you to DM me and let me know which scent you picked so I know what to add to my next box. All right, let's get back to my amazing conversation with Oakley. What a privilege to have that front yeah. seat position in the life mm-hmm. of somebody who gets it. Right? So yeah. 
so many of us who just walk you through just this life focusing on things that don't matter and things that trip us you up and worries. It. Exactly. What a privilege. And it doesn't mean it it's not hard because just like watching any of our kids struggle, we want mm-hmm. to wrap them in bubble wrap. We want them to, to right. have things easier than we did or different than we – like we want a good life for our kids. But a diagnosis yeah. or a certain challenge or things does not mean they're then on a path, you know, to not have those things. That is that is not true. That is not true. Right. Yeah. You're right. You're mm. exactly right. And you just completely said it. He – to be – with someone who just gets it. He just mm-hmm. gets it. And even in the NICU, I remember holding him um, and looking in his eyes. And this is such a sacred moment, but I, but I do like to share it because it was so, um, it was so incredible to, to witness this infant had wisdom in his eyes. Like his eyes just, it was like, it was like he was looking at me saying, chill out. It's going to be fine. Like, don't worry. Like, I just felt like he's been in control. And I, you know, sure, sure. He doesn't understand how to say certain words or pronunciate things. And he has sensory problems and will only eat certain foods and, you know, likes to escape and has no concept of fear. Sure, there's things that he is very delayed in. Mm -hmm. But he has wisdom that I don't know if I'll ever be able to gain in this life. He just has this wisdom about him. He just doesn't worry about the things that don't matter that we're all so caught up in. He just has this beautiful wisdom that I see in, honestly, almost every kid I that I've gotten to know that has Down syndrome or a different kind of um, ability, a special need, if you will. I know that that word's becoming taboo, but it mm-hmm. makes sense to me to say. Yeah. And um, I see this wisdom. There is something... Um, that these kids are here to teach us and what a privilege it is to know them. Even my siblings and my in-laws, everybody, they just feel, we all feel so blessed to have Wells, even if it's not in their immediate family, but in these extended family members feel like it's just a privilege to have him in their life so closely to teach their kids and to teach them. It's just, yeah, it's pretty Mm -hmm. amazing. It is. And I think that some parents struggle when they have a child with special needs or, you know, more extenuating circumstances that take more time or more focus that the other siblings will suffer um, and feel gypped or feel like they're not getting the attention. But what I hear you saying almost is that this has been a refining parenting process for you that has probably equipped you even better to see your other kids as they truly are too. Uh-huh. As you've embraced who Wells is, then you're able to embrace your daughter and your son as they are too. Because like you've said, every child has their things that they yeah. that make them who they are. And some things are wonderful and just blow your mind exciting and just you're so good at interpreting people's words like you just yeah you keep saying exactly what I'm trying to say and it takes me so long to get to but you just know what I'm saying yeah exactly yeah exactly right those kids um I have Wells has has forced me to get down on his level and to understand his little mind which obviously forces me to do that with my other kids Mm. and and sometimes I think that people take years to figure that out and I've had to learn that early on and it's been such a blessing for my other kids I will say to that same subject, though, um, while we're while you brought that up, yeah, yes, I think siblings can feel gypped if you allow it. Okay. But we constantly talk about how much Wells loves them. We point out how cuddly. I mean, we, 
he the first thing he does when Scarlet gets home is, you know, Garget, Garget, where's like he we point out the love he has for them and it's just there's something about and I think it is a little um I don't know these kids with Down syndrome, and I hate to put kids in boxes because of their diagnosis, but something I noticed almost across the board is they do have a special way of connecting with people. Even, um, I just feel like he has this way of connecting with his siblings that's really unique and powerful, and that they, they feel like it's a privilege to be his brother without or brother and sister without me even having to intervene much or, or say much. And um, and I we do definitely do special one-on-one time with the others because they definitely need it. Because like I say, every child has special needs. Mm-hmm. So we give all of them their special time and we try to make it. Um, we, we, we definitely don't want our kids to grow up with any resentment because Will's got more attention. Mm-hmm. The hard part is, is people know who he is publicly. Mm-hmm. So when we go places and people are, oh, Will's or, you know, um, I, I never want my kids to feel, you know, so I think it's great when people see my other kids and they do the same thing with them. And <laughs> I really don't think that there's any jealousy there. And I, I don't anticipate that that will happen. I think we are very aware that it's a possibility. So we work really hard to make sure they all feel um, unique and special in their own ways. Yeah. Well, and I think that intention that you have in teaching your kids in a young way to incorporate them is like, we're, we're all a team. We're a family. It's not about him. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about all of us. Um, and doing that there from you a young go age. Again, dang it. Yeah. Just saying it perfectly. <laughs> no, I just, no, I. You're good at summing things up. That's I what love what you're at. saying. I, I love that. And I, and I think of many families I know who have family structures similar to yours. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful to watch. And so it makes me wonder. Thank you. So I, so I have a very headstrong, um, challenging first child. He's eight and Ooh. almost nine. And we just don't see the world in the same way. And he has yeah. a very um, spirited personality and very strong emotions. And it is the thing yeah. that will make him accomplish unbelievable things in this world. But in exactly. this nine-year-old body, holy cow, is it hard. And it was hard in a three-year-old yes. body. And it was hard in a five-year-old <laughs> body. And it was just the hardest. If you guys could see my body, I'm sitting here. Yes, yes, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And, and that's what I tell people who struggle with their three-year-olds. I say the very characteristics that may make them the hardest toddler on the planet or the hardest eight-year-old, it could make them the president. It could make them the oh, star soccer player. It could make them the friend who, who picks out the lonely child at lunch. They don't even have yep. to do great things. Like, you know what I mean. So yeah, I want to right. know, because I know that you've had similar struggles how uh-huh. have you ad- Charlotte, yes. yes, how have you adapted your way to view her challenges and and her wiring in a different way so that you cannot just set these unrealistic expectations for what you think she should be able to handle or do or be and temper them to who she is. Like you said, um my firstborn has definitely um taught me so much. Oh my gosh, and I I'm actually I I I vent to my sisters sometimes and I always say, but I always end it with, but I'm so glad she's teaching me this because I think she's preparing me for all kinds of things. Um, she, yeah, we've done behavioral therapy. We've done regular therapy and there is no diagnosis. There is no, nothing, no trauma. She just is so, like I said, she was crawling and she would look at me and say, mom, 
I want milk. Like, she couldn't even, like, she could talk, but she couldn't even <laughs> walk yet. She was, like, sending me orders. Um, and she is hilarious. Everybody that gets to know her absolutely loves her. But she um, she makes me work really hard to... Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's been it's been a it's been a journey with her. Like I said, every kid has special needs. She Evan has been a good number, and and I feel like we've we've we're starting to understand each other better. But I've gone to parenting courses, even like I went to one last month, um, and I really think trying to get down on her level, which I know when people say that, it's like, well, what does that mean? But I mean, just I literally was going through a phase where I pray every day to see the world through her eyes because I was like, I don't understand why she does this. I don't understand why she um, freaks out over this. I don't understand why she's putting us through this, you know, with, with things as simple as getting out the door. And I still, our morning routine almost has me in tears a couple days a week because it's like just getting out the door seems so difficult. But when I start to really say to myself, how, what is she, what, what's going on in her eyes? What's going on in her mind? And I really try. And I, you're a parent, you know, your child, you know, if it's because, you know, they're, they're acting this way because they need that extra attention or that one-on-one time, or if it's because they simply want to test and push boundaries. And my daughter's a classic boundary pusher. And so I've really learned, I went to this one conference recently and the biggest takeaway I had was she said, ignore the junk. Mm-hmm. And I really started to do that. Ignore the junk. When she's lashing out, you know, ignore it and then come back with love. Like when she's ready, come back with love. So she'll say something so disrespectful or mean, and I'll just, I'll just try my best not to be phased by it and then come back later and and let her know how that made me feel maybe. Um, But my daughter's a feeler. And so letting her talk about her feelings, validating her feelings, it's a lot of time and patience. And I'll tell you. Patience, 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 patience was just something that I'm not, is not a natural, um, great quality of mine. And um, I've learned so much in the last couple of years from hers. I've got to just let it go and be patient. And, and honestly, sometimes I think she's preparing me for some of the things I'll have to deal with, with Wells, you know, mm-hmm. is he slower to do things or learn things? I I'm learning from her to be more patient. And as he gets into school and we're working on reading and all the things that might be more of a challenge for him, I think she's kind of refined me that way. And I, and I'm grateful that she's taught me how to be more patient because who knows when I'm going to need to use that with him or with my other kids. Mm. So being a parent is just like constantly putting yourself into the refiner's fire. You're just constantly refining yourself. And I think understanding that you're going to have good days and bad days and being okay with that and forgiving yourself and picking up. And because let me tell you, I have lost it so many times to the point where I feel so bad. You know, why did I yell at her because of this? Why did I, you know, give such a, 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 a big punishment for something so silly? Why do I do that? And you can't beat yourself up. I think you just got to learn to forgive yourself, move forward, be more patient which is like the biggest key for me being more patient and, and just, and after you lose it, show excess love. And I don't know, I'm still figuring it out, but with her, it's uh, definitely been a process and learning to let her be herself and, and to feel the things that she needs to feel, Mm. you know, trying to make her feel what I think is right. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things I've learned as a parent is so many times we're waiting on the other person to change. We're waiting for our kids to buck up. We're waiting for our kids to learn that lesson and be better or do better. And we neglect to realize we're on the same journey. And the lessons that we're trying to learn are different. But at the same time that she's trying to learn emotional control and emotional regulation and things like that, 
we're trying to learn that patience right. right along with her. And when we're losing it, because I've been there, oh, like we, yeah, I've been there yeah. and I'm still there. And I'm still yeah. having to be so cognizant in the moment of if I lose it, we we move back two steps because I'm modeling right. then losing my own emotional regulation. If I can't behave better than my kids, I can never expect them to do better. Never. Right. Well, one thing that um, I learned um, uh, from, I think it was this behavioral specialist, was you're a thermostat. So she's going to get hot, she's going to get cold, and you stay the same temperature, which is the hardest thing to do. But honestly, when you do it, just get through it. Get through those moments and then go in your room and scream into your pillow. But stay a thermostat for your kids. And holy cow, it works wonders for kids like, like mine. It just really does. So I really do my best to stay a thermostat. And the other thing was, remember, your your job is to act like the adult, and their job is to act like a child. They're supposed to be a child. They're supposed to throw tantrums. They're supposed to melt down. They're supposed to, um, you know, have these learning experiences that stretch and push us. And your job through that all is to stay the adult and mm-hmm. not be the child and throw the tantrum along with them. So yeah. I try to remember that. But, you know, sometimes I am a child. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. And it doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes and then we just apologize because right. because they're going to make mistakes too and they need to know how to come back from it. And so we have to model yeah. the comeback, right? Yep. Yeah. Right. I and did it. our parents apologize? No. Right. Like I love my mom and dad. They're amazing. But right. that was not part of that generation. You didn't apologize to your kids. You were right. You were the one. You were, you're mm-hmm. in charge. You're the one in control. And now I'm learning – Okay, being in control is so much less important than connecting with her. Mm. Because guess what? If you're connecting with your kid, the control will come. They'll let you be in control. They want you to be in control. Though they'll never say it, they like that's comfortable for them. But you got to connect with them for them to feel that, um, that you, for them to let you be in control. Mm. So, I mean, connecting with her and just being apologetic when I, when I do lose my temper it makes such a difference. I think it's okay for them to see that we mess up and we're learning how to be parents. This is our first time too. Totally. Oh, that's so good. Oh, it's so good. I don't even think we've mentioned your handle or where people can find you online yet. So can you just tell people where they can follow along with your sweet family? Sure. I'm a terrible blogger. I have a blog that's called nothingdownaboutit.com, but I'm not as good at updating that. I can, you can pretty much see this every day on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And that handle is also nothing down about it because there's nothing down about it. We're all just people. Yeah. I love that. Oakley, we could talk forever and ever, but I'm going to wrap up with three final questions that I always ask my guests. What would you say is your purpose in life? Um, right now I really feel like my purpose is to be a mouthpiece for my son who can't be the mouthpiece for himself and also to raise three little people and, and maybe more eventually, who knows, we'll see verdicts out on that to be kind, loving individuals that have are productive in society because they're kind and loving and they're, um, goal oriented and driven. And honestly, that's Will's kind of came that way. So we're instilling that in our other kids and, and learning how to be that ourselves. Oh, when you said you're a mouthpiece for him, I just like welled up with tears immediately. <laughs> Golly. And I love how you said my purpose right now. Because I do think a lot yeah. of times we do have a very big picture, high level purpose in life. Right. But I think it's also important to be attuned with the season you're in 
and what the focus yeah. needs to be right now. Well, I think and that's I really know, important. He might be his own mouthpiece someday, but yeah. right now I have to be that yeah. for him. And my okay. long, my big long-term purpose, like I said, is to raise my kids to be productive, driven, kind members of society that yeah. contribute in positive ways. Oh, you're such a good mom, Oakley. Wowie. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. What makes you smile, Oakley? Um, you know what? When we're all together as a family, I feel like I'm constantly smiling. When we're all together peacefully as a family. Yeah. Not when we're all together getting ready to go out the door as a family. <laughs> when, we're, when we're, you know, we're, we're a big dance party family. We do it almost every night. And um, I just love seeing... You know, it's funny when you growing up, you always saw your mom and um, always facilitating the fun and kind of sitting back and watching. And you're always like, that seems boring. But now I get it. Mm-hmm. I like to facilitate the fun and I like to sit back and just watch them all live it. And it it makes me smile so big when I see all of my little people and husband together and enjoying life. Amazing. The purpose of this podcast, Oakley, is to help the listener and the guest to feel and acknowledge how extraordinary they truly are. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, better than anybody else. But I think that God created us as unique as we are for a reason and put us on this earth at this time for a reason. And when we can really own our value and, and our extraordinary attributes, you can contribute in a way that you wouldn't if you didn't acknowledge them as worthy and as and as of worth so yes will you oh, I igno- love you you put such good things out there <laughs> oh thank you so I want to know what is one thing that makes you extraordinary um I think my passion I think I'm a super passionate person and I think Wells was given to me because of that I think Heavenly Father was like you know what She's a force to reckon with. I think, you know, she'll be a great mom and mouthpiece for this child. And then he also sent me those other two to do the same thing for them. I think my passion drives me. I have kind of a, sometimes I just feel excited about life. And I think that that's, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that quality. I think it's good to be excited about life and to constantly have um, passions and you know, sometimes that, that can make us hard people to be around, <laughs> you know, I, or hard people to raise, I should say, my poor parents. I put them through all the things that my kids have put me, that you know, that we mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, that that passion is is a, a pretty awesome thing, and, it, and it, it really pushes us to go really far in life. Mm. So, Well, and like we talked about before, those attributes that make us really hard to raise are the things yep. that make us world changers. And you are using That's that passion right. – for good. And I know Scarlett oh, will. Awesome. I know Wells will. I yes. know Ames will. As your eight-year-old yeah. will. Yes. That's right. He will. <laughs> he will. Well, Oakley, this has been such a great start to my morning. And I know that everyone listening will just Thank get so you. much out of this just to see our kids as yes. they are and appreciate them as they are and meet them where they're at right yeah. now. Mm. Yep. Love it. Thank you for taking the time. You're extraordinary. Thank you. Now come over and let's do lunch. Let's I'm only do it. like how many hundreds of miles away? Let's I know. Not We're, end this. You're my spirit animal. We're kindred spirits. We yeah. need to get together. <laughs> I love it. You're so wonderful. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. If you're in a motherhood funk, here is my recommendation. Find somebody who truly loves and gets the purpose of motherhood. Sometimes I think as moms, we get bogged down by the intricacies of the daily grind and we forget why we're here, why we're doing this, why we're putting our blood, sweat, and tears into raising these kids. And it's because we believe in them and we believe this is a special calling. Oakley has really 
testified today and has inspired me to remember the special job that I have as a mom, the special job she has and that she's doing as a mom and she's doing such an extraordinary job. Oh, just so good. I hope you are inspired by her and encouraged by her story. If you want to see pictures of Oakley and her beautiful family, if you want to be hooked up with her on Instagram, you can go over to my um, show notes over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Everything's linked over there. And I want to thank again our show sponsors. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at JessicaDahlquist3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm so, so grateful for you listening to the show today. And if you think there's anybody that would also love Oakley's story, would you please share the show? Will you screenshot the episode? Will you be sure to tag me so I can thank you virtually? And it would just mean so much because I think there are moms out there that don't know about this show or don't know about the amazing resource that podcasts are. If not mine, there are so many other shows that are fantastic and they're free and they're a great way to have a little adult conversation in your ear during the day while you're doing other things. People sometimes ask me, when do you listen to podcasts? And I simply say, all the time. I have my earbud in while I'm walking, while I'm driving, while I'm doing the dishes, while I'm folding laundry. Uh, I wear a shower cap and so sometimes I have an earbud in my ear in there as well. (laughs) That's TMI. But I would love for you to share this show with somebody that needs a little encouragement along their motherhood journey. If it's a mother of a child with special needs, Oakley's episode may really speak to their heart and encourage them on their way. And if not that, there are 300 or so other episodes in the archives featuring extraordinary mothers who are not perfect, but are doing their very best to overcome the challenges in life, to serve their children, and love and believe in themselves. It's so encouraging. I get as much out of these episodes as you do. So thank you for tuning into the podcast today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.